Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate.
everyone, and welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. That was Allie Angel with her song, Middle Name. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys doing? Hey. hey Hello, everybody. Carl and Greg. Um, <laughs> hey. You're right to well, back, that, you know, how cool uh, is that? Yeah, I love the guitar. Yeah, I love the way it just kind of does that. I, yeah, I and love that, that plate reverb is like so over the top. It's like, it's just really pleasant. It starts off with, to. it reminds you of a slow version. I'll, I hope she doesn't get offended by this, but the song sounds like, a, remember Sheena Easton? <laughs> from the yeah. 80s she had this song yeah. called strut and if you listen to it it reminds you of that when it starts over then it goes to this really cool place you know her song but um you remember that uh, you remember that business letter that i sent you a copy uh it was like what from the 90s uh there was a guy named deke arlen i think he he may still be around which is that's fascinating in and of itself but i was pitching your work to deke and deke managed sheena easton so it was very interesting I think her vocal is extraordinary. I think that if you had 10 female vocalists singing that song, I think you'd be able to pick that performance out to say, yeah, she this is what sold the song. She's got word. a big personality in her, in her vocal. Yeah, I, I, I really like it. I like it more than things we've heard the last couple months on the podcast. So, But to be honest, like the last person I dated for eight years, I don't, I don't remember her middle name. <laughs> so I don't know if that's necessarily a, a telling sign or not. Maybe for women it's different. But you know, I was talking to my friend yesterday, and I just mentioned my my nephew for some reason because we had this gala thing. She goes, "Oh yeah, he has nice blue eyes." He goes, "You know, color. You can know what color eyes he has." I don't even hmm. know. And I go, "You know what my you know color my eyes are?" She goes, "Yeah, they're brown." I go, "Really?" He goes, "You know what my eyes are?" I say, "I know for twenty five years." I go, "Don't No, I have no idea." <laughs> I have no idea what any of my girlfriend's eyes colors are. It's so like my, a feminine aesthetic. You I know? think it's different for women. Like we just remember certain things that probably like are important to us. But like guys, it's just probably not like middle names, eye colors, you know. I, I, I guess it's a guy thing because I, I maybe I'm just a typical guy, but I have no idea what my, my mother's eye colors were. I think they were green now I think about it. Hmm. I remember because I remember someone telling me, but I, I can't. Tell you by looking at eye her. color changes. You know, we've got a lot of babies in the family right now, and it's like you know, you you know, one one month they'll be one color, and the next month they'll be another. So. Well, and I know too when Kenzie was born, we like were hoping she would get my husband's eyes because he's like got bright blue ones, and she did. Um, and I've got more of like a hazel green, but I know my mom and my dad's eye color too because my younger brother for Father's Day one year, wrote like a card from school. And for my mom, it was like, your eyes are as blue as the sky. And for my dad, it was, your eyes are as brown as dirt. <laughs> so that's how I that's how I remember my parents' eye color. My, my eyes used to be like really dark brown. And as I've gotten older, they've become more hazel. You know, they, they kind of lightened up a little bit. This has nothing to do with music and our topics have nothing to do with anything at the time. But, but yeah, it gets sick of the music. You know, I never understood. I never understood. <laughs> Maybe it's just an obvious, stupid question. But why why are people dominant left-handed or right-handed? Why can't we just do both equally? Like I was carrying back home from the story of the day, and because I'm right-handed, my right arm is much stronger. Mm -hmm. I guess and I can hold it in the back of my right arm for like five times as long as I can hold it in my left hand. You get so tired real quick in the left hand, but then I just, I just move. Like, why, why can't we, like, why can't I write with both hands? What kind of contradicts, though, on the guitar, my left hand is the most 
you know, that's the fingering hand. There's the left hand on the guitar. But on the right. piano, my right hand is the more adept fingering hand. Mm. So what's that about? So you're ambidextrous in instruments, but you can only do things with your right hand otherwise. They call that interdependence of limbs, you know, and you, you, you need it for drums. You need it for most musical instruments. And I don't, re- I don't really know the, the brain pathology of it, although I have done a little bit of brain research. It's my understanding that your brain is just trying to conserve energy at all times. And so when these neural pathways get created for you using your right hand, it remembers that and it's like, okay, so going to use the exact same neural pathways that we used last time. So you start to become right hand dominant or left hand dominant based on the neural pathways that got created when you were trying to do some kind of fine motor skill. So I think it could be random. So you're saying that no one is is truly left handed or right handed. Correct. Yeah. It's just whatever your brain decided to be lazy about. You're telling me at birth, if I was taught to write my left hand, I could have been left handed. Yeah, it's, maybe it's whatever your brain decided was the path of least resistance. You know what, Greg? Yeah. I think you're totally wrong. But I don't 100% agree with that because I'm left-handed. I don't, I don't at and all And I agree have tried to write with my right hand. And people have tried to get me and my husband and Kenzie to write with our right hands. And we just can't. Like, there's nothing. Because that's a conscious thing. What I'm suggesting is that your brain is creating these neural pathways. And it's gonna that's going to be the default. So if you used your left hand... Your brain's going to say, this is how we do this. You use your left hand, you know. It's subconscious. It's not I'm suggesting. Conscious. I'm suggesting that you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, what's new about that? Oh, man. So Okay, if we have any brain scientists or, uh, you know. Right, uh, I don't think a lot of you know, In the listening audience, hopefully they can come onto our social network and explain uh, the concept of right-handed versus left-handed. All right, enough of well, this. I was going to say, it's interesting with different instruments too, because I remember growing up, like the flute, I've always, I always wanted to play it left-handed, like in terms of how I would do it, but you have to play it right-handed, like there, unless like you bought like a special instrument. So like, I, I don't know, it's interesting. I have a friend right now who like, you know, years ago, left-handed, but she wanted to go buy a guitar and, and she wanted to buy a left-handed guitar and the guy didn't have one. He goes, oh, it doesn't matter. If you start with the right hand, you can, you'll just learn right-handed. She goes, okay. So she bought a right-handed guitar and she never got any good because she just didn't have the dexterity. And then you know, she bought a left-handed guitar and, and tried to relearn everything and it came so much easier. So again, you're wrong, Greg. So uh, You know, I... <laughs> I'll do more research. Yeah, you know, um, when you're doing your research, man, make sure you know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, I'll do more and, you know, we'll, uh, on another episode, we'll revisit it, it, provided you can provide me with the appropriate apology. The appropriate apology. I I don't think that's going to happen. But, but... Don (laughs) Kirsten Jr. Jr.'s This Day in Rock is here. Man, I can't believe that you're continuing to this do, day in do rock this in 1966. In 1966, That's a good year, 66. filming began on the Monkees TV series. Yay! Wow. The first single, "Last Train to Clarksville," was released that August, and the show debuted in September. So there you well, go. I do happen to know that Don Kirshner was the music supervisor on that television. Well, program. my so that would make my great grandfather, right? Because if I'm Don Kirshner Jr. Jr. <laughs> right. So Mike Nesmith, 
got sick of him and got him yeah. fired the second year in because he wanted to write songs and didn't want to be under the, the thumb of Don Kirshner. Well, Don Kirshner had uh, he had the Midas touch as far as you know, con- you know, considering which singles to put out and you know which which what songs to feature in the television program. So, but I mean, they got rid of him, and the show got canceled that year. <laughs> so yeah, well, there you, know. you go. Anyway, that was Don Kirshner's "This Day in Rock and Roll." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I love the monkeys. I just think they're really amazing. And um, it is bizarre. Why? Why have they? Even like I was reading books, like they have these, like this, this, this blog that talks about people asking these questions, and they have one question: What did the Beatles think of the monkeys? Supposedly, Lennon loved them. They and, they liked them. Yeah, they liked yeah. them. They thought they liked the Marx Brothers. They were funny. You know yeah. that they they were like if you if you watch the filming of Sergeant Pepper, Mike Nesmith was there, Peter yes. Talk was hanging out with Harrison, Mickey yeah. Dones is there with Paul McCartney. They, they hung out, you know. They, it was it's funny. Like I think they also had a certain uh, amount of uh, respect for the idea that these guys were thrown into the same kind of mania that was created for Beatles. I don't think they had as much experience dealing with all the mania all the that uh, the other yeah, guys Yeah, but yeah, did. they had to like they had to realize that. Come on, like the Beatles. Well, it was were, manufactured. You yeah, know, the but. Beatles like they were doing it themselves. These guys were like created. They they really couldn't have any respect for them musically. I don't think. No, I think they they had a respect for the idea that those guys were having to navigate that, like you know, hiding in hotel rooms and stuff right. like that. And because, they did it. And they did it good. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. who knows. Anyway, so that was today. Do we have anything to talk about of any any real importance in the music industry? Well, we've covered eye color and neural pathways that you don't believe in. <laughs> that, that I suggest you, yeah. you don't know talking about, but go ahead. We've well, and apparently Kershner. Pink Floyd has joined TikTok. That's one what? of the things. That Pink Floyd has joined TikTok. Now, who allowed that? Was it was it Roger Waters was holding that up? Yeah, I can't imagine that anybody associated with the iconic Pink Floyd gives two yeah i can't believe roger ward is posting, about is posting yeah, tiktok is posting you know like yeah. although tiktok is becoming a rather prevalent uh force in oh it'll be promotion my, of music it'll be my space in three years <laughs> I, i'd love that but <laughs> it's true they know. all will they mm. all go that route you know like Oh, there's so many. It just goes on. And it's, it's oh, what the what was the one that we were trying to do last year? Not anchor. Um, Clubhouse. Clubhouse is done. Clubhouse uh, is kind of done. I think they lost eighty percent of their users over the course of like a month. Yeah, it, it, it was basically two. party line. Remember when we yeah. were kids? It's party right. line. I still get on Facebook every now and again, but for the most part, I mean, I, I just I'm bored with all this stuff. Uh, really bored with it. I will say this, you know, I've talked a lot of crap about Spotify over the couple of years we've been doing this podcast, but I discovered last week that I can kind of Bluetooth my phone to my Roku and the user interface on Spotify on my television is really cool. So I've listen been listening. Stupid, listen to these stupid words. I can yep. Bluetooth my rope, my Roku. For, <laughs> why, 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 who makes up this nonsense? <laughs> no, but I mean it, it's really cool. And they actually play. And I didn't realize that they played the video. If there's if there's a video asset associated with the track you're listening to, and I listen to some obscure stuff, but they, they've come up with weird, like kind of little video presentations 
on the television. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really cool. There's a great documentary on HBO about George Carlin. And um, oh, I haven't seen that. I, yet. I suggest everyone to watch it. I, and yeah. I never realized what, you know, all the transitions he made, you know, through his career. And what a love story, too, was about his wife. I didn't know about that. But he was like very conservative at the beginning. Towards the end, yeah. you know, it just last like 10 years, like he was just amazing. He was like almost prophetic. Like, yeah, and yeah. One guy said something on the show that, that I say all the time. He wishes he was here now to see what's going on, like with Trump and and with with, with with guns and with he was like and he's just so right on the way he nails culture. Our, yeah, the whole yeah. thing. He, he I think he was one of our our generation's philosophers, really. Yeah, interesting. You know? I, I'll have to check that out. I've, you said uh, that was on HBO Max. HBO Max. Yeah, watched a little TV last week. Uh, have you guys have you seen Hacks? No, but I have wanted to watch that. It's really smart and really funny. What is it's it? it's on HBO Max. It's um oh, I'm trying to think of the name. I can't name the actresses, but it's really clever. There are two seasons and it's about a female stand-up comedian and she takes on this kind of neophyte writer because she's talented. And this uh woman is from the old guard and it's it's really really smart. The writing is super funny. And very smart, so I don't mind sitting and watching those. At this moment, we've decided that None Your Twenty is no longer a music podcast. We are a TV show review podcast. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Last week, I watched a documentary called uh, The Warhol Diaries, which is, you know, that's that famous book that Andy Warhol wrote. In the the 90s, yeah. It was actually... Really enlightening. I I learned a lot about Andy Warhol that I didn't know. Was it both? Uh, and I, you know, I, I came away respecting him more as an artist. Well, he was know? amazing. We think yeah. was, you know it, it, the gist of him that I got was he was this shoe illustrator. He used to write for like gimbals and used to design pictures for shoes. That's when he mm. how he started something mm. like that. And then he he mocked the art world is what he did. Yeah, what what was interesting for me was that I kind of was lost on the idea that he had as as much longevity as he did, and he actually recreated what he was doing in the '60s, in the '80s, and became kind of like a, a, a mainstay of MTV, which I I missed that completely, and I thought that was fascinating because he was in in essence using you know, the trappings of media and culture that he was basically lampooning. He was using it all over again to create another uh, set of art. He prophesized what's going on now. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, and you know, the whole 15 minutes of fame thing, you know, we're going to be famous. We're going to be on. And and, uh, I thought he was great. I thought he mocked the art world. Supposedly just last week or two weeks ago, the Marilyn Monroe lithograph he had or painting, was the highest highest selling American artist painting ever? Hundred million dollars yeah. it went for. And basically, you it know, was a, and he had, he had a, a snapshot. To film. It was a snapshot. It was a picture. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They didn't even take. They just took and did those lithograph colors over and signed his name to. It's amazing. <laughs> you know. You know. You know the, uh, the the other interesting thing that uh, that occurred to me as I was watching it, and you know, these are all set up. These documentaries are all set up like series now. So you know, you binge watch them, but Right. It occurred to me that he was almost never without a Polaroid camera, right? Right, through, or a video through camera, the decades, right. right? So, are you are you guys aware that 
Polaroid cameras have become a hot new thing again. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was not. And at Christmas time, my kids bought my wife and I a uh, shiny new Polaroid camera and a bunch of film. And I'm thinking, this is really odd because, you know, this technology was pretty janky 40 years ago. Everything and now everybody's into again. it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything old is new again. Yeah. So, um, so now, you know, I'm being inundated with Polaroids that my kids, my 30 something kids are taking on a regular basis. Well, it's well, that's, cool. Yeah. And that's where you mm-hmm. go back to, you know, what do they do? Um, photo albums, like actual physical photo albums to like, put yeah. Them in. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got tons of Polaroids from back in the day. You know, I've had yeah. a, I just never liked them. <laughs> oh, gosh, we haven't used that in a while. Anyway, do you want to play another song by... Uh, yeah. Yeah, why don't we play... I'm really interesting. Um, ...her single Hideaway, which actually releases on June 17th. So we are able to play this before it even comes out with her permission, which is kind of exciting. Um, Very cool. But before we listen to Hideaway, which is her single, why don't we learn a little bit more about 9420 Crowdfund? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by 9420 Crowdfund. 9420 Crowdfund, the premier crowdfunding platform for indie music artists. Get the best elements of crowdfunding without all the hassle. To learn more, go to 9420crowdfund.com. Again, that is 9420crowdfund.com.
like a different artist to me. It totally sounds like a different artist. What's up? What's up? Well, it's her latest single. Which I don't mind. It's cool. It's a cool drive vibe song, but it's a, it's a totally different. It's yeah. So I enjoyed it a lot. I thought no, it was very. Like it reminds me of it reminds me of seventies Kiki D. Uh oh. So we got Sheena Easton and Kiki D. And I was gonna say I heard a little <laughs> bit of Mandy Moore in that. <laughs> yep. Oh God. <laughs> But we did speak to her if we want to get to know a little bit more about her. Yeah, let's do it. All right, you ready for our questions of the week segment? So the first question that we asked Allie was, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Allie Angel. I'm 25. I'm an L.A.-based musician, singer-songwriter. My stuff is a mix of retro soul, some twang, some indie pop, bluesy rock. Definitely fits in in LA, but also a lot with the Nashville scene. I've been pursuing my music for the past three years professionally, and I put my first song out last year, Play Pretend 2021, and this year I'm putting my debut self-titled EP, Alley Angel, out, six songs, originals, and I've been playing shows and just promoting my stuff for the past two years. After I graduated college in 2019, I decided I would really go for it, and I'm also a baby mommy music teacher. It's my day job. So I go to outdoor backyards and I sing for one-year-olds and their parents. It's really cute. Um, And I still have time to pursue my own music on my own. So it's great for me right now. It's cool that, um, you know, she's like going for it. And I like... uh I like how eclectic. Where do you, you know? Is are there clubs out in LA to play anymore? Can you can you can you play LA? I don't know. It's so, I mean, I, I think can. so because she's doing it between that and then the mommy and me classes. I mean, she seems to be doing a lot of good things. Like when you say I'm playing the clubs in LA, that that is, is such a big statement because there's Anaheim, there's Burp, there's so many places that, that you consider L.A., you know what I mean? It's kind of like saying I'm playing New York and that could be Queens, the Brooklyn, the Bronx. There's a million places. So, like, where in L.A. is she playing? You know what I'm saying? I'd, I'd love to know. My interpretation is that, you know, so many of those places that you used to be able to play and kind of, you know, create some excitement around what you were doing, they're all pay for play now. and right. I, I don't know, maybe, but... Maybe she could. There's this show on, on, I think, Peacock about this woman, Angeline. Have you heard about it? Oh, man. I mean, she's been around for what, 30 years? That billboard model. Yeah. Like, you know, she was like, she had this. It was kind of, I don't know if people ever considered it kind of an art project, but basically she would get those billboards and she had become the personification of like some, you know, Hollywood bombshell star. Yeah, but she, but well, the show talks about that. But but basically, she started out in a band playing in L.A. You know, with, with this band, Baby Blue. I didn't supposedly. realize that. And, I didn't and realize that's she was started, a and they were musician. playing the clubs like uh, the Starwood, and uh, and then the big thing back then was to play the whiskey and like I don't know. So I don't know what kind of clubs are there now. Uh, are those big clubs out there now to do that? Yeah, I, I um, you know, in the eighties when I was spending a lot, quite a, a bit of time in Los Angeles, I was. You know, you would always see those billboards, and you she right. she always drove a uh, like a pink Corvette, a, a pink Corvette, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, you would see her. On I would Sunset think she'd be Boulevard. right up your alley, Greg, because you love all that yeah. retro. I love all space. that pop culture craziness. Yeah. So the next question that we asked her was, "What other music artists have inspired your career so far?" There are so many artists I could name. It depends on you know 
what we're talking about. I think in terms of sound and inspiration and style um, for the CPO is really influenced by a lot of soul and Motown um, old stuff like Junior Walker and the All-Stars and Brenton Wood, even uh, Lenny Kravitz and then new stuff like Leon Bridges, Alabama Shakes, Duran Jones and the Indications, Lady Ray, Lake Street Dives, a huge inspiration for me. And then I also love a lot of the alternative Nashville stuff like Sturgill Simpson, Margot Price, Chris Stapleton, Dan Auerbach's a huge influence for me, Easy Eye Sounds, all of the artists he represents there, all of his work. I love all the stuff Jack Antonoff does, Dave Cobb, um, so many great people. And then people like the Talking Heads have always influenced me, Prince, Fleetwood Mac, even Red Hot Chili Peppers, Sublime, the Dixie Chicks, I could go on forever. And then recently I've been listening to, you know, a lot of artists, but also paying attention to the way they go about their career. So, you know, people like Haim, Jade Bird, Gillette Johnson, Nikki Bloom. I love all of those women. They're super talented songwriters, musicians, and, you know, they're great about having fun with their careers and fitting it into their lifestyles. But, you know, we got to start taking a tally, like, you know, having the weekly tally. So far, I don't know if the Red Hot Chili Peppers or John Mayer's in the lead. Do we know? <laughs> I think John Mayer's probably in the lead because he was yeah. he was mentioned many times before the, the Red, Red Hot, Hot Chili Peppers are rising, man. I know. You know, like... She's, uh, um, she, she's got some great uh, I don't even know if the people she talked there. to, she mentioned. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, the Cobb stuff from here. I mean, it's all got a kind of got a little little more of an alternative bent but no I mean, if she is she's going to continue to be influenced by those people she's going to be in good shape you know she needs to hang with that crew i was actually kind of surprised to hear alabama shakes and 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 bands like that because what she's doing is more pop than what those folks were doing but uh her last single that we're going to play is definitely more in that realm so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did we ask something else? So we asked her one last question, and it's, what was your favorite concert and why? I don't think I can choose an all-time favorite concert, but um, recently I went to the past Outside Lands in San Francisco, and I think Lizzo was probably my favorite show. She was just such an incredible performer. And I think now that I play live, I really pay attention to the way artists curate their shows and how prepared they come and what they offer in their shows. And she just did everything. You know, she is a phenomenal performer on her own. Her stage presence is amazing. Uh, she also, you know, had a full choreographed background team of dancers with her and she was dancing and it just was all such great preparation. She made jokes. She had costume changes. Uh, she made it thematic, you know, it was Halloween. So she brought, you know, pop culture into it. She did like a whole squid game bit. She talked to the audience, told stories, made jokes. I think she did the splits on stage, which is something I like to do. She just did a great job of bringing everything. You know, she brought her personality. She brought the music. She brought stories. And she made it really fun for everyone. You know, I find interesting about this girl, like, you know, the way she differentiates, like, like with the influences musically, they're the ones that she likes musically. Then they're the artists that she likes how they're doing their career. Mm-hmm. How they're, how, so, like, you know, not so much maybe their music, but how they're treating their career and, and, and evolving their career. And the same thing with this. Somehow they play live, but then how they do their show. And, and so different aspects of why she likes different people. It's kind of yeah. cool. It's also interesting. I, I'm sure you guys don't know, but back – Many, many years ago in the 70s when I played, when I performed, when I was in bands, um, uh, doing the splits was 
part of my well you um, get out of here baloney if you, if you, i if want you go, proof of this if you go to, if you go to um ali's joking. facebook page there's a picture of her doing a split there's a little video of her doing really a split yeah i'm gonna check that out so and i did not expect lizzo but apparently um mm. lizzo is also taking over tiktok because anytime i open that app now her song about damn time <laughs> is playing and these people are dancing <laughs> to it and she's she's doing something there so I wanted to mention something on this episode simply because I think it's cool. And, you know, every 15, 20, 30 years, you know, maybe pop culture will redeem itself. I don't know if you've watched this show that that is in its fourth season on Netflix called Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. But did you see the music supervisors uh, saw fit to add in the uh, fourth season debut? running up that hill kate bush kate bush and it like completely exploded it's in spotify's top two it was like number two on their spotify 200 and uh it was yeah, well, number one on always, i always thought kate bush was always cool and, man yeah i mean i mean so kate bush maybe a whole generation of people will discover kate bush for the for the incredible artist that she was. Cloud bursting, Wuthering Heights, you know, Man yeah. of the Child's Eyes. Those you know, records. Yeah, she was great. The thing I loved about those albums, talking about, you know, like kind of the state-of-the-art recording, every one of those albums, you would always hear a sound that the human ear had not heard before they put it on that record. It was just bizarre, you know? It was amazing to listen to those albums, and it's like, where did they come up with that sound? It was a great thing. Yeah. I, I'm kind of like yeah. changing this a little bit, but yeah. same lines. I didn't go. A friend of mine was telling me they went to Nam one year, uh -huh. and they had the, they were they were displaying this new Neve console. The guy who was doing it had the actual two inch of uh, at the time I think it was uh, Peter Gabriel's So album, yeah. and he's playing Sledgehammer, and he starts <laughs> soloing out tracks. And yep. there are sounds on that track you don't even know are there. <laughs> I like, would believe that. Like, you know, they go in, and then here's where he puts, I go, what is that? Where is that in the song? And then you, but then you mix it in. It goes, wow. It creates all these different nuanced, you know, kinds of yep. layers and atmospheres. But there's so many bizarre sounds on that track. I think Kate yep. Bush is even on that record. What was the name of that song? Don't Give Up? Don't Give Up. She record? sangs with them, right? I, yeah. That you know, is I, I've always loved Kate, That's Kate magical. Bush. You know, yeah, absolutely magic. I can see her making it again. I could, because even her videos. Wouldn't it be amazing if she made I another record? I can see her that, doing yeah. it again. You know, because you know yeah. she was hip and cool then. Shout out to Kate. Call us, Kate. I always loved Kate Bush, man. You know, Wuthering Heights was like one of my. I loved that song. The Kick Inside was her first album. My favorite record of hers is um, Hounds of Love. I love that album. Right, great yeah. stuff. Good for her. Well, yeah. So everything old is new again. So. You never know, but anything else we need to talk about? Talk about? Uh, well, why don't we have our unofficial sponsor, Bongo Java, say a few words, and then we'll <laughs> listen to the last song. I was at Bongo Java twice last week. See? Did you tell them where, where we sponsored them? Actually, I stood in line next to Bob, who owns the whole dynasty, and I thought about, I thought about telling him about it, and then I thought, well, no. He'll probably send us a cease and desist. You know, next time no, you go in there, him. next next time uh, you go in there, okay. order something, and when they ask you to pay, say, "Excuse me, I don't yep. pay. We sponsor you." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we spot you. I would love to see the it. reaction. I love the confusion. Yeah. I love the confusion of whether they're we're like your number one sponsor. Or we're right? sponsoring them. I love we're... that confusion. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was actually a really good experience. I was there twice. Place looks good. Uh, you know, the um, coffee was delicious, and so I was we're like, good. Yeah. All right, so let's play the commercial. (laughs) This episode is officially, unofficially sponsored by Bongo Java. Bongo Java, the birthplace of the 9420 podcast. While Bongo Java got its start a year earlier than 9420 in 1993, in 1994, Carl and Greg's relationship got started. And in 2020, Carl and Greg visited Bongo Java to create this podcast that you listen to. For more information on Bongo Java, go to bongojava.com. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. Make sure that you listen all the way through because we have one more song by Allie Angel called Loving You Lately. For all of the things that we spoke about during this episode, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Watch me dancing